Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to chat with you guys a bit about today's sponsor, Simple Mills. This Chicago-based company makes hands down the best gluten-free packaged products I have ever had. You know by now that I just can't tolerate gluten. So for anyone else who has cut gluten out of their diet, you know how frustrating it can be to try a new gluten-free product and then be completely let down. Unfortunately, we have all been there. I can guarantee that that will not happen with Simple Mills. In fact, it is so delicious that my gluten-eating family still chooses their products when grocery shopping for themselves. When Joe requests Simple Mills crackers, it makes my heart so complete. Simple Mills makes a variety of product, as I mentioned, their crackers, baked bars, cookies, baking mixes, and so much more, but I wanna highlight their pizza dough mix. Oh my gosh, it is so freaking good. The other night, we had a family build-your-own pizza night, and I was so impressed with the Simple Mills Pizza Dough Mix. My pizza had the perfect crispy crust and this seriously delicious added flavor from the mix. I double-downed, of course, and I made a pesto pie and then a sausage, pepper, and mushroom pie, and it was truly heaven. Of course, I also vlogged about this entire night, so I will definitely post that video in the show notes. If you're interested in trying any of the Simple Mills products, which I highly recommend, check out their website, www.simplemills.com and use code FFNFRIENDS, that's F-F-A-N-D-F-R-I-E-N-D-S until June 5th for free shipping. Also, be sure to follow them over on Instagram at Simple Mills for wellness tips and delicious recipe inspiration. Now let's kick it off to today's episode. Hey guys, it's Cameron. I am still in Florida recording. I'm hoping that the audio is a little improved in this episode. I've been working on the back end, but again, I appreciate you guys understanding. Obviously, given the circumstances, I am not recording in person, so we are making do with what we have. I am joined with Kate Sands, who is the founder of the fashion and lifestyle blog, Honestly Kate, and the Amazon Live Style host. Welcome, Kate. Thanks for having me. It's so cool that we can do this virtually and that I can like see you. I feel like we're just like in a room together. It's amazing. I know. I'm really trying to get accustomed to this because I've been like the person who's been interviewed on a virtual Zoom. And I do think that obviously something lacks virtually in comparison to in person, but it's given me access Mm -hmm. to so many people and so many people's schedules that I normally wouldn't be able to have on the show. So in a way, I'm very grateful for it. It's so I like honestly love it. And I feel like in the past few weeks, I've spoken to more people than I have like in the last year because of like all the technology that we and zooms and FaceTimes. The only thing that bothers me is like, I'm such a, like I talk with my hands Same. and I like always am like playing off of people and inter- not interrupting, but like interrupting in a good way. Like where you like I finishing each other's thoughts and that because of the lag with all the like face like the FaceTime and Zoom and all the other like streaming services, there's like a five second lag. Like you can't do that. Yep. I am really struggling with that, especially <laughs> on the show. <laughs> um absolutely. So I apologize but if I you think also it's hear so my- awesome that you can continue Oh, sorry. See? <laughs> yeah, I know. There we go. I was gonna um, say I apologize if you hear my dog because he's losing his shit outside my room. Oh my my God. And all I want to do is adopt a dog right now. I know every, I, I mean, he was the best thing we ever did. We adopted him six months ago and 
I feel so bad because so many people want to adopt dogs right now. And they're like, it's a great thing that there aren't available dogs to adopt. But at the same time, I want everyone to have a dog. Um, So to kick things off, how would you define success? I would define success with, for me, like feeling successful is about being fulfilled emotionally. And Mm -hmm. that has a lot to do with like confidence in yourself and confidence in your work and what you're putting out there. And I really try to only put out topics, pictures, videos of things that have like a bigger purpose or meaning behind them. Mm -hmm. I know that when I started my blog a few years ago, I thought it was fun and thought it was a hobby, but I didn't feel emotionally fulfilled at all because I wasn't putting out, um, deeper, more meaningful content. I wasn't relating it back to philanthropy and different causes I'm really involved in or my mental health. And the second that I made that switch and decided to be more real and authentic with my following, instead of showing more of a highlight reel, I, although maybe I wasn't feeling financially successful to where I wanted to be, I was feeling emotionally successful and it made my, the financial part of my business skyrocket. Yeah. And I think that was something we talked about a little bit and we touched on before we started recording, but I know, you know, you were saying how you started and obviously you still focus on like fashion and lifestyle, but it's less of a, this is just an, not just, but this is my outfit and more of this is my outfit and this is how I'm feeling and this is everything that's going on. And for me, it was, Mm -hmm. I started only talking about food and I remember telling my younger sister, it was while I was still working in the corporate world, but I said like the second I talked to my camera, delete my Instagram. Like I just don't understand it. And now I talk to my phone, all my stories 24 seven. I tell everyone every detail about my life, whether it's like my anxiety medication, my therapy, my whatever. And that was the second that a, like the community became way more engaged and I was able to grow. But B, I felt like I was actually... Mm -hmm doing something and like serving a purpose with my account. Exactly. And I find that with so many and don't get me wrong. There's still like a ton of fashion blogs I follow just for their fashion. And I know nothing about their life. Right. But for me, it just wasn't serving me anything good. Like I've always liked putting outfits together. I've always liked testing beauty products, but I was, I kind of felt, and I know this is probably going to offend someone, but I was like, you know, like I, went to university and I went to grad school and I'm so much more than the surface level things that you're seeing. And I need to show what else I'm capable of. So I felt like I started writing longer and lengthier captions and still getting dressed up and putting on the outfits I love. And I especially Mm -hmm. love doing it for um, live streaming on TV because I can talk about like how to get a look for less. And that's something I've always loved sharing. I like will buy myself like a designer piece that I've been wanting for so long and no one will care. And everyone will ask me about (laughs) like my $10 t-shirt from forever 21. So I was like, okay, I get it. People are just like me. I need to start sharing um, like my tips and tricks of the trade with fashion as well as sharing like my more real, like my my more authentic real self and putting Mm -hmm. it out there on the line to feel vulnerable. So in hopes that people will do the same. I totally agree. And I, and I want to also compliment you because that's very clear as a consumer of your content. It feels very authentic, very honest, very real. You are 
my mom's favorite influencer. I told her she has to say number two because technically. Oh my God, that is such a compliment. Thank you. Loves your account. She found you when we met last year, I guess it was, or like, honestly, it might've been two years ago when we met at Molly's and she was asking me who was there, I guess. I have like no track of time or years. I think it was two years ago because I think it was before I quit my corporate job. And mm-hmm. that must have been how, like, I think I tagged you. And so she's been following you for a long time and she loves everything you're putting out there. But I agree. I think it's very, I'm someone who doesn't follow a ton of fashion bloggers because fashion isn't something that mm-hmm. really lights me up personally. And I do find that sometimes I can feel less than when I'm following certain accounts. Um, and I never feel that with your page because you inspire me fashion, like in a fashion sense, but then you also let us into your life and you talk about your struggles and you're very vulnerable and you encourage people to do good, which I think we all should be doing if we have a platform. So I'm curious, how were you always into fashion? So it's so interesting you say that, especially with following fashion bloggers and feeling less than or um, feeling like you had something. I don't know. I find that too. And I, like, a, I think a year ago now, I just like stopped following any accounts um, that didn't make me feel good or inspire Same. me like fashion, wellness, food. I was like, if this doesn't make me wake up and feel good and I'm comparing myself. And mm-hmm. I always say to um, my boyfriend, Brian, like I am not a jealous person in the least, but I would find myself like comparing what I was doing to other people in my industry and not necessarily jealous of what they were doing, but I felt more like, Oh, I wish I was working with that brand or I wish I was doing that. And I think there's a level of finding, um, like something to look up to and strive for, and then feeling like down on yourself because of it. Absolutely. And I never, it's funny. So I've always loved clothes, but I always say like, it was never like fashion that I was drawn to. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like high-end designers or anything like that. I actually love costume design and I majored in theater production and I went to grad school also for theater production and I wanted to be a Broadway producer. So in, um, and I like that's still a dream of mine. Um, yeah. I, and I want to, we had to study like all aspects of production. So costume design, sound design, light. Obviously I failed like the technical <laughs> sound design class, <laughs> um, like lighting design. We had to do like take a, produ- a producing class and like fundraise to like the shows we were putting on. And I loved costume design. And I loved like telling a story through something that wasn't just spoken. Like I was always trying to tell a story through the clothes. So whether that be like through color theory, like if someone is feeling down a character, like have them in a blue outfit right now, or like Mm -hmm. if someone is a very powerful character, I was always having them in red. And I just was so intrigued by like the color theory and the moods of it all. So, um, I started, um, following different costume designers around as part of my internship for the program. And I absolutely loved what they were doing. And I loved how one of the designers, Patricia Field, one of the costume designers, she did Sex in the City and now she does Younger, used contemporary clothing for her actors instead of using costumes that they would hand make. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is so interesting. She's like taking real clothing that people can buy like people that watch the show can buy right now yeah. and putting them on her actors. So I, sorry, is, can you hear that? No, you're fine. The beeping or no. Okay. No, good. I can't. Um, 
So I was just so, I was so inspired by what she was doing. And I decided to start putting like contemporary clothing and just brands I liked in general on myself and styling them more in like um, a more eccentric way, I'd say. Like Mm -hmm. I love playing with bright (laughs) colors and um, like more extravagant outfits that like I maybe wouldn't necessarily wear to like lunch with my friends. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I got started. So it's more like I love the production side and costume design, like the whole like what goes into it and what's like what inspires the designer rather than like the high-end fashion. Got it. And then with that, it obviously led to at some point you starting an Instagram. So when was that? When did you make that jump to be like, I want to share this on a public platform? I actually had the Instagram account before I had the blog or business or anything. I was playing around with Instagram, which I thought was an an editing tool. And, <laughs> and that was, I think that's what it did start as. Yeah, it was. And I was We're posting like mirror here. selfies. Yeah. 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 Um, I was posting mirror selfies and me in the outfits literally for myself, like for nobody else. And I called the account, honestly, Kate, because I didn't want to call it my full name because in mm-hmm. the theater world at the time and like acting world, people really didn't like like social media people. Got they it. were kind of looked down upon. And I still find that a lot of um, people like for my acting theater circle like still are like I don't really get what you're doing like it doesn't really make like there there's still a little bit of judgment there but I think in some cases it's like a yeah exactly so I didn't want them to look my name up Katie Sands and find my account so I was like okay I have to make it like cryptic I mean it hardly is it was pictures of me but I didn't know how public it was gonna get yeah and then my friends started saying like hey can you make it public so that I can show my friends what you're wearing or show other people and I made it public and it started gaining following pretty fast um and then I was still in this grad program and shop up had reached out to me about helping style their spring campaign they just like like the aesthetic I was putting out there and I love shop up like I grew up on yeah. shop up and I was so excited and I, I think I did it for free like I don't even think I charged them I had no idea what I was doing I was like oh this is so cool I'm gonna it's so funny to, to think style back. people and like create a little story mm-hmm. and I felt yeah. this, so I started my account while I was still working in sales and trading at JP Morgan. And for me, I was like, Mm -hmm. this has to be a complete secret. No one can know about this. And that's why I use the name Freckled Foodie. And still to this day, similar to what you're saying, like now I do it full time. And a lot of my coworkers and my boss, when I told them I was leaving, they're like, you're doing what? What is this you do? You're on Instagram? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. It's it's very interesting. And I still find that. Like I always say, I wish that because I took media classes in undergrad and I and it wasn't what it is today, obviously. And I wish there was some sort of textbook. And I always say, like, eventually I'll try to write something and gain it, get, get information from other people. Um, but I wish there was more written about the industry. So like that encompasses mm-hmm. food, um, wellness, fitness, fashion, um, I think like finance or so many like financial influencers now. I yeah. wish there was more just like written about it so people better understood. And also that I can give to like my parents' friends and so they understand what I'm doing. Because I used to get so offended when people would say to me, like, I don't really, even when I was dating, they'd be like, I don't really get what you do for work. And I would get mm-hmm. so offended. But then I realized they just really don't know and they're curious. 
Yeah. And I think that there it's twofold. I think a lot of people actually don't understand and they want to learn more. And, you know, the older generation, like when I hear my dad explain what I do to someone else, it's entertaining. And for me, it was a really eye-opening experience when my husband noticed, okay, you get offended when someone like can't explain what you do or you feel like they're dismissive. But for five years when you were at JP Morgan, your sister told people that you were trading commodities, which is not what I did. Mm -hmm. I was like selling muni bonds. So completely different. And he's like, that never once offended you. So I think it's more of like how you're perceiving yourself and Mm -hmm. less of the fact that someone is like misinterpreting your actual job. And that was so true. Definitely. I can so relate to that. I find for me, it's more like, like I have literally, I think, heard my dad say to someone on the phone that I was like a million or something followers. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that is not true. I'm like, he has no idea what I do. Um, I think for my parents and my family and friends, it's easy doing like more of the TV segments and styling mm-hmm. segments has been easier for them to understand because that's something they can like physically watch and it's on channels that they've grown up with. So that kind of was like a good segue into having them understand what I was doing because I would say like, hey, you guys see what I'm doing there? Well, I'm doing that, but in a lot more depth and details on an app called Instagram. Yeah. So I think that like helped it's the segue for me. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And whenever I do anything like talent related with food, then my parents are consuming it and they're Mm -hmm. like so proud of me. And they do watch my Instagram stories, but still it's the same thing. Um, But I am curious because (laughs) you are now the Amazon lifestyle host. Can you talk to us a little bit about that transformation and all of the exciting work coming up with that? Definitely. So it was crazy because I've been doing like a little, I've been doing hosting um, the same since I've started my account. Mm -hmm. And that was always something I was way more comfortable with in front of a camera, way more comfortable like on TV than I was even like talking into my phone for stories. Like that took me a long time to get used to. And I still feel uncomfortable doing it sometimes. Um, I think that the trick for that is to just never put the sound on and just press, just put it up without listening. Cause the second oh, I, I listen never. to myself, I'm like done. No, it's not going on. Um, so for, I've always done like some hosting here and there and it's actually been interesting because people would say to me, Oh, you, you must be so comfortable because you've been acting background and you have this. And I was like, it's totally different. When I act, I'm playing a character. I'm not myself. I have a script memorized. I, mm-hmm. I don't have to like think of things to say on the spot. And it's not, uh, most of the time it's not live unless I'm doing like a theater production. And for TV, obviously, like I'm not myself. I don't have any type of script. I'm in like a really tight time limit, usually 10 minute segments at a time. Um, But the more I did it, the more I was comfortable. And I would go on auditions all the time for different hosting opportunities. Most times I was told I like was way too young. And mm-hmm. a lot for morning TV, um, the younger you are, the less relatable you are, which I completely understand. But it was really frustrating to hear over and over. Definitely. So I was really excited when I heard from Amazon that they were trying to create like a younger, um, more relatable version of like a morning talk show that's a you're able to stream it on just like the Amazon homepage. And I was like, oh my God, I have to be a part of this somehow. This is so up my alley. And 
So we've been working together for like the past few months. And I was kind of crazy because like the second we were supposed to start the deals and skills show, um, Corona happened. So we had to figure (laughs) out a way to like stream and do it online, which has been really difficult for me. And I know for their team and all the technical issues that go into it that I am so unaware of and their team is incredible. But the whole thing has been like a very interesting learning experience, but I'm happy that I can even like be a small part, a part of it. It's so exciting. And it's interesting to hear you talk about the difference of on-camera opportunities, because for me, I love being on camera. And whenever I've done like talent work, when it comes to cooking shows and that type of stuff, I have, I like black out. And so I have no concept of what I'm saying and it usually works. But then after they'll say, oh, can you repeat that? Or like, let's do this one more time. And I'm like, I have no idea what I said. You need to like go back and tell me what worked because I have completely forgotten every word that came out of my mouth. I mean, that totally happens to me too. Luckily, like I I guess like luckily and unluckily, like most of mine have been live, so I couldn't repeat it. Yeah. (laughs) Because I would have no idea. Like I have no idea. I think I've like said shit a few times on TV and they like had to blur it out, but I had no idea that even happened. That's one very big concern of mine and why I'm scared to ever potentially go live is because I curse so much that it would potentially be a very large issue. But the only good thing is that they like have a delay. So they'll beep it out, but then it's just like a beep and you're like, wait, what did they say? What was that word? Guys, very quick interruption from today's episode to mention our other sponsor for the show. One of my favorite brands that I use every single day, Elmhurst. I've mentioned this before, but growing up, I was lactose intolerant. And although I tried to fight my way out of it by eating all of the ice cream that existed, regular milk still just doesn't really sit well with me. I was so excited when almond milk became quote unquote trendy until I read the back of the bottle of the then popular brands. When I noticed that majority of plant-based milks were filled with unnecessary ingredients like gums and fillers and loads of sugar, I knew there had to be a better option. Enter Elmhurst. Elmhurst has technically been around since 1925 as a dairy farm until it closed in 2016 as the last standing dairy in New York City. They like to say they were quote unquote founded in 2017 when they reappeared as, of all things, an innovative plant milk company. Now they make hands down the best plant milks I have ever had. There is absolutely no comparison. For me, as I mentioned, ingredients are extremely important and the Elmhurst unsweetened line has just two ingredients, nuts and water. Whether you try the milked almonds, cashews, hazelnut, oats, or walnuts, they are all delicious. If you're interested in ordering these shelf stable beverages, use code FF15, that's FF15, for 15% off their website at elmhurst1925.com. Um, so I'm also curious, you have been very open on your platform, which I love and I am as well on your mental health journey. Mm -hmm. So, and I know you talk about like therapy, is it therapy Thursdays? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, which I love. And I remember when I first started looking for a therapist, I talked about it on my stories or I said, I'm going to find a therapist. And there was so much feedback of, oh my God, thank you for talking about this. I've been so embarrassed to see a therapist for so long, which seems crazy to me, but there is totally still a stigma around Mm -hmm. all of this. And I'm curious to hear more on your journey with your mental health and then also therapy and how you found sharing that on your platform. I 
this is like my favorite thing to talk about because it still blows my mind that there's such a stigma surrounding therapy. I, in my family, my, I had a grandma who had, who she's not alive. So it's okay if I say it like she has severe (laughs) mental health issues that were not diagnosed because at the time, like people didn't really know what it was and Mm -hmm. she didn't want the help or know she had the help. So she was my mom's mom. And because of it, my mom was very open with us at a really young age that if we have, or if we're feeling any type of way or she has people we can talk to. And she's always really pushed us to like talk about our feelings, not necessarily with her, but with a professional. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you don't have to tell me if something's going on, but I really recommend like you go see someone. So it's always been like something that's been really open and talked about in my family, which I guess realizing now I'm very lucky for that because it's so like it's frowned upon in so many families still, which is yeah. so shocking to me. And even people in my own family, like my, not my immediate family, but like, my big larger family, um, like they don't understand it. And it's Mm -hmm. just like people, I think it's how you're raised and if you're open to it or not. And so if you're raised to grow up, not being open to therapy, of course, when you're a young adult or an adult, you're, you're going to be more close minded and nervous about it. And so I have really tried to talk about it on my platform. And I really didn't speak about it at all because I was like, who am I? I'm not a therapist, a psychiatrist, who am I to start talking about mental health on my platform? Like I'm, I'm going to get shamed and like shut down for saying the wrong things. So the same way I talk about, um, food and nutrition, I try to always have an expert with me. So luckily my therapist who I found when I moved into the city after undergrad, um, Dr. Stephanie Lest was really comfortable saying like, you can use me as like the expert and say like, I looked mm-hmm. over this and anything time I talk about, um, giving like advice to people, I always like have her check in and make sure that what I'm saying is okay. Because I never, you know, that's like not my field and I don't want something to happen where someone took my advice so seriously Absolutely. and it was the wrong advice or it, it wasn't like the correct thing to say. So I'm really cognizant of that. And I find like there's so many people out there in, especially the wellness space that are just talking and saying things and promoting products that aren't necessarily good for you. And, (laughs) and I think it's really dangerous, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to like your mental health and like weight loss and all that, like it really scares me. And I know like I take what other influencers that I look up to say so seriously. So I can only imagine what people take, how I'm saying seriously. And so I've been really wary of that. And so I said to my therapist a while ago, would you be comfortable doing a video with me? She's like not an Instagrammer at all. (laughs) I was like, would you be comfortable doing a video with me on my platform now that I've been more open about therapy and mental health in general? And she was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was like, okay, so let's continue doing these like writing segments where I ask you questions and then you answer them as an expert. So we continue doing that. And she um, like, I'm so happy that she has become more comfortable. And I said to her when this whole thing with, being quarantined happened. I was like, I think it's time. I think it's time for you to come out here and put yourself on like my channel. And so you're more comfortable with it. You know me really well. I'm not going to do anything that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like, we're just having a real conversation. 
but it will be on my channel. And so she's like, okay, I'll give it a try. Like we'll try 15 minutes. And if I don't like it, I'm never doing it again. So that's kind of how we started. And it got such a positive response. And she felt really good. I think sharing her story and sharing her advice with people that maybe didn't know what therapy was like to begin with yeah. or didn't um, like, I find like, I, I know from experience, like going to other doctors, like I'm always like, Oh, do you like this dermatologist? Or like, did she help your skin? And mm -hmm. like, so this is a way an insight for people to see if they would like potentially going to therapy and it did really well. So we're continuing to do it. And luckily she's been really open to the process. I, I wonder what will happen when, COVID like ends will we continue yeah. doing these lives or will we have a different topic it's interesting because most of the things people send in have nothing to do with coronavirus it's all about dating and their owning so you could keep it so we'll see I'll see if she is comfortable with it because yeah. I like never want to like put someone like out of their comfort zone but it's also interesting because I'm like I'm like therapy is such a personal experience and I'm sure like of course I still have my own therapy sessions virtually with mm -hmm. her that we talk about things that maybe are about certain people or my business. Right, that things that you don't share. need to be sharing. But if I can share just like a little snippet of that with other people to help them know that it's okay to talk about, like it'll all be worth it. I know I've thought a lot about having my therapist on my podcast. Um, Do it. And she's like a pretty <laughs> private woman, but she, I love her. I've been seeing her for over a year now. And it's for me, I've, I've put together like a list of suggested therapists from tons of people, like from my community and mm -hmm. audience. And I have it on a blog post and I still randomly get messages all the time. Like I found my therapist through the list of recommendations that you had on your site. I'm so grateful. And like that to me was such a small thing on my end that I felt so much passion about. And I mm -hmm. guess like, I just felt so good about it because it's helping people. And I think once you're in therapy, you realize a, how helpful it is, but B, how not a big deal it is. Like it's, totally. you're just talking. Um, and I'm constantly saying, I wish if there was one thing in this world, it could be that we could all have free assistance mm -hmm. for our mental health. I think that's the biggest hurdle that we need to jump um, or one of, but I love what you're doing with that. And I also I'm really appreciative as a consumer of the way you've specifically handled COVID and quarantine. And I love to talk about that because I think right now, especially in the beginning, there, there was a lot of fear and there still is, mm -hmm. but especially in the beginning, everyone was really afraid. And I think a lot of that fear turned into anger and judgment. Mm -hmm. And I know I personally received I always say like I never get hurtful DMs and I love my community and I received a small handful of really, really mean messages regarding just the fact that I came to my parents' house. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, privilege has always been something that I'm very open about and I am very aware of it and appreciative, but it is what it is and that's my mm -hmm. reality. And so watching a lot of influencers or content creators in this space during this time, it's very, there's a very small fine line and it's very easy to accidentally cross it, I think. And yes. I'm curious how you've dealt with that because I know specifically for me, when I talk about like packages, if, you know, if a lot of the stuff is a partnership with a brand that I'm mm -hmm. most of the time in contract with, um, I've gotten some messages like, you know, I don't really care what food you're getting right now and stuff like that, which, you know, then they don't have to follow me. That's fine. But mm -hmm. I think that 
that emotion from a creator standpoint must also apply regarding fashion because people are obviously less wary to be spending money right now and Mm -hmm. we're not necessarily going out. And so I'm just curious how this all has impacted the way you've been handling your platform. Yeah. So it's, you know what, it's like the wild, wild west, this industry to begin with. And I think you have to be so careful and of what you say and what you're putting out there. Because like I said, with therapy, like people take what you say and do so personally. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know what, there has been like so much negativity and hate and anger in this space. And I just, it like, it it upsets me because I find like some with people that have a platform, you should always be using it for good. And that's always been my motto. So I'm not surprised at all by a lot of people that have continued to do their own thing and not use their platform to promote causes and awareness and good. I wasn't surprised at all. What I was surprised about was how everyone else was so shocked by it. Right. I agree because nothing was really different. If you think about it, I think in a lot of cases, people, um, I was, I was almost so surprised that people were so offended by some people's actions. Cause I'm like, if someone is who they are, it's who they are and let them do their thing. And then I was really like pleasantly surprised by so many people that I'm inspired by step up to the plate and put out so much good. Like for example, Chiara Ferrani, and I always like butcher her name, but the (laughs) Italian influencer was the only influencer I ever followed when I started my blog. And I loved following her and she raised over $4 million for people on the front line. That's incredible. Like that's unheard of. Yeah, And so I've been really trying to focus on like the people that are really using their platform to promote positivity and good. I think it's hard for celebrities. I, I read, I think that the article was in the times or the post. I don't remember the other day about like celebrities and their privilege. And I read that same. Yeah. I, I, I forget what the title was, but I, I felt so, you know, what? I, I always kind of feel like, like this way with celebrities that they're not influencers and mm-hmm. their job is to play a character and play someone else. And it's the influencers who really need to step up to the plate because our job is to influence someone else's community. So yep. I think like, a, like when they were saying something like about Ellen and her like sitting in her mansion and yep. pretending she's bored, I'm like, okay, number one, she's a comedian. I don't know her personally at all. So I can't speak to her character, mm-hmm. but like she's a comedian she never came out and said like, I'm an influencer. And so I think it's really up to like the influencer community to continue to put out positivity and awareness and use their platform for good, but also finding a balance between that and also posting what you're normally there to post. So I always say like, this is my job. And just like you have to sit at your like, I don't know where you're working right mm-hmm. now from your home and work from your computer and continue to answer emails and continue to get on zoom calls and do your corporate job I have to continue to do my job as well which is to talk about and promote beauty and fashion pro- products and my job might be a little more public than yours but I still have to work I can't cancel my job because of corona um, and I feel lucky and grateful that I still am able to work from home. And I know so many people at this time have been furloughed and laid off and 
have had salary cuts and you name it, people are going through hell. So I think acknowledging that there is a play going on and acknowledging that people are going through hell and saying, I'm going to continue doing my job and posting things to distract you and things you can do at home has at least that's what's worked for me right now. So I think that's a good advice for other creators and out there saying like, this is something to distract you. I'm not being toned up by saying that I'm talking about clothes or beauty products. That's what my job is to do. Yeah. And I think I, in the very beginning, asked everyone, like, what do you want to see right now? Because I feel at a loss for mm-hmm. what to put out there. And, you know, a lot of people said, I turned to you for normalcy and I turned to this app for an escape from the news. And so mm-hmm. I'm obviously acknowledging that there is a pandemic. I'm going to talk about it. But at the same time, I'm still going to provide recipes and talk about foods I'm loving and all of that. And I've actually, because I feel such a disconnect right now, not being in New York and a little bit of a loss of like able to assist everyone that's hurting. I know you've been doing this as well, but I've been trying to raise as much money as possible for different campaigns and charities that I care about Mm -hmm. because I do think that with any type of influence, whether you have a thousand followers or a million followers, I think a responsibility comes with that. And I do think now is the time that we should be especially using it for good. Exactly. And I also like to say that I think at this point right now, everyone is an influencer, like no matter Mm -hmm. if you have a platform or not, because like my mom can call her friend and tell her, Hey, I found this really good delivery service and you guys should use it too. Then she's influencing her friend to use this service instead of going to the market. So I think like right. everyone needs to use their power wisely and know that that comes with a lot of responsibility and you have to be able to take that responsibility into account. You also have to be able to acknowledge your mistakes. I posted something like to do with my hair. Um, Cause that's what I talk about a lot is mm-hmm. my hair and my <laughs> live beauty products and secrets and tips. And people were really offended that I was taking a moment to talk about hair products I like. And I acknowledged it. I said, I'm really sorry that you feel that way. My intention was never to hurt you or to make you feel that I don't know about what's going on in the world and I don't care. I'm actually talking about this product because the company is donating 10% of their sales to feeding the front lines. Like I was like, there's a purpose behind it and it's not just superficial, but I also am not going to turn my account into a news reporting session. And that's not what anyone would want anyway, because Mm -hmm. this is an escape for people. Um, And then I'm curious as well, because we've talked about, me as a consumer, really appreciating and respecting the content you're putting out there. And you seem like a very valued person, but I'm curious what your favorite characteristic about yourself is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I, I can, I do like, I have, I'm going to say my favorite characteristic about myself in my work is mm-hmm. my honesty. And I know that comes with my name, but I try to keep myself really honest to who I am and to the partnerships I work with. I think this is a given for most, but some people it's not that I'm not going to work or promote a brand that I don't truly love and use daily. Agreed. Um, I know for clothing, it's a little more obvious. I either like the dress or I don't like the dress, but for products and beauty and more lifestyle posts, like I always test the product at least a month and a half before agreeing to any type of partnership with the collaboration I'm making. I always, um, 
sorry, I just got a really weird message, but I always, it's okay. with collaboration, I, <laughs> I was like, I always try to stay true to who I am and to knowing the products, keeping it honest and keeping it real for my following. And then I think in, in like my personal life, I always, I say like my best characteristic is my loyalty. I'm also a Scorpio. So I'm going to be like loyal to my friends and family until someone messes with me. Like I will always defend people to the grave. That's one of my favorite characteristics about myself as well. And I honestly, it. sometimes <laughs> it like gets me in trouble mm-hmm. because I like pick people's battles for them when they don't necessarily want them picked. But I am like, if you mess with someone in my life that I'm close to, mm-hmm. you are toast. <laughs> so I know we were talking about the responsibility that comes with influence and the loyalty that we both have. And I'm also curious to hear more about where you see, honestly, Kate going in the future, because I think you've touched on so many different incredible topics. And I feel in a sense with my business sometimes with all of these different kind of like octopus legs almost, like umbrellas Mm -hmm. of business. I'm like, okay, what do I want to focus on the most? And so I'm curious where you want to spend majority of your time focusing in the near future and like where you think this is all going. For me, it's mostly about I think in the future, you know, and I change this daily because I have so many ideas oh, and I need to like <laughs> hone them in and focus on one at a time. But right now I'm focusing on a capsule collection with Fat Buddha, which is, a, I wanted to ask yeah, you about that. I'm so excited. It's my first capsule collection. And what's lo- like, what's great about working with another brand for one of my first collections is it kind of takes a lot of the pressure off myself because I have a Definitely. partner in it. And I think that you know, at being an entrepreneur, I really say I'm a solopreneur because I'm alone a lot of the time. And that can be really difficult and frustrating at a lot of moments, like not having a partner to bounce things mm-hmm. off of. So I feel really grateful that I'm able to work with someone else for my first line and kind of see the ins and outs of manufacturing and production and what worked and what didn't work. So eventually I can create my own line. But I'm really excited to work with them because they have a product that I already love so much and wear all the time. And I love their founder, Alyssa. And then hopefully, um, I'm trying to work on kind of fewer partnerships with the brands that I absolutely Mm -hmm. love. So it's less one-offs and more um, long-term partnerships with brands so that we can really truly tell a story. Um, I did this with Glam Squad. I worked with them for years. And just like by telling a story that showed like our journey and their journey together helps at least me better understand how I can work with other partners in the same capacity. Also, I think like doing more panels and speaking obligations is always helpful to me. Mm -hmm. It helps me like figure out my own story, what I'm comfortable speaking about. Come being come, I get nervous every time I speak in front of anyone, no matter what, no matter how many times I do it. So continuing to do that, whether it's on Zoom for the next couple months or yeah. anything, I think that's what's most helpful for me and for the future of my brand right now. Well, I'm very excited for all of those things, especially the Fat Buddha collection. When will that? Is there an estimated release date? Yes. I know everything right now is probably hard to so guess. So it's actually a little wild. So the, the release date is supposed to be end of August. But with the response, okay. it was asked to be bumped up sooner, which I think is a little crazy considering that we're in a time of like no connection right now in person. And so all the samples and all the fits and um, like the 
fit models are going to have to be virtual. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping to get it moved up, but I don't know if that's even possible. I mean, doing it like in under three months is already crazy for any production. That's the fact that like we might be doing in two months or less um, (laughs) should be interesting, but we will see. Right now, it's supposed to launch the end of August. Okay. Well, I'm very excited for that because I've tried a few of their things and it's an awesome brand. Really incredible. I just love the materials they use. I love their fits already. So like, it's fun because we're playing off some of the fits and styles I already love from them and then like adding my own flair. Mm -hmm. And it's fun to have an input in that. I answered like your surveys on your stories. I guess it was yesterday. That's like, what do you guys wear more of? Do you want a high rise or a low rise? That was my favorite because it was like 6% one low rise. It's so interesting because (laughs) I have my own opinions on everything and what I wear, but we all have different bodies and I only want to create a collection. Like I know my blog would be nothing without the community that I built with it. And so I'm like, if I'm going to create a collection, I need it to be what everyone wants. I'm not building this for myself. I'm building this for everyone else. And I'm trying to involve my, the community I built as much as possible in every step of the way. I'm even going to show Pantone colors and I'm literally going to pick the colors based on what people vote. It's smart. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. consumer. Like you want to know. And I've I've been similar in a sense of like, who do you guys want to listen to on the podcast? Yeah. Because I could have on people that I really care about that I think are interesting and you might have absolutely no interest. And it's like receiving their feedback, asking, you know, we have to because truly what you said, without the community and audience, then we wouldn't have a job. It's so wild to think about. And I think sometimes people like I say it all the time and I always like repeat I find myself always repeating like thank you guys so much for your support and for doing this but it's like it's truly Mm -hmm. like without it I would not have any of it so yeah I feel like it's important to like keep thanking people and keep like show like saying like thank you for supporting me in this like without your support I wouldn't be able to do any of what I'm doing Absolutely. And then to close, I do bring things a little to food because I know we haven't talked about that at all. And (laughs) um, I am curious what the three ways to your heart through food are. So it can be as specific or generic as you'd like. Okay. So I will start. Can I do alcohol also? Okay. So my favorite alcohol is sake. I love sake so much. Really? Like I can drink sake and it's it's also interesting because I'm not a really big drinker. I'm really big lightweight and I don't love a lot of alcohol at all. Like I just like won't drink it. I don't ever feel pressured by friends or parties, but I just love sake. Like I can have it all day long. I've, I don't know if I've ever actually enjoyed and sake. Most people feel like that I think way. the only sake, well, because I think it's like, I only think of like doing a sake mm-hmm. bomb in high school or like college at Hibachi when we're like already hammered and it, that's not really anything to enjoy. But I feel like I need to try good sake. Something about, and I always say, I call it dirty sake and like Brian gets so mad. He's like, it's not dirty. It's called <laughs> unfiltered. Like it's like, cre- looks creamier. Like something about hot sake. Like I could, I like crave it when I wake up so bad. Um, but so bad. Wow. Okay. I got to um, try it. We can have a sake date when this is over. Yeah. <laughs> and I look, I think, for food, I am such a salty girl. I really, mm-hmm. I love like sweets, but if they're like pastry sweets. Yes. Like I would never eat like a Sour Patch Kid. Yes. Like that doesn't like do it a, for me, but like put a, like a gummy cinnamon bear. bun in front of me and I'm in heaven. 
Oh, and best. I just loved pizza and cheese. I think when we mm-hmm. first met, I was like saying to you, I need help because I'm so unhealthy. Well, you were going through digestion yes, issues. And I struggled with SIBO and C. diff for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so I've had, Same. it's the worst. And I've had to like it's change hell. a lot of what I eat, which is hard for a foodie like me. But luckily I took care of it and took the antibiotics I needed and took the breaks from different foods I needed. And I'm more aware of what I'm putting into my body now, Mm -hmm. which I wasn't at all before. I never thought about what I was eating. I just like ate what looked good and what I craved. Now I'm more aware of what I'm putting into my body. But if I'm treating myself, I just love like a good pizza. I love Prince Street. I love Ruby Rosa's. I love Joe's. I'm like such a pizza girl. I love pizza and I'm gluten-free. And so for me, finding a good gluten-free pizza is absolute key like Keste in New York I don't know if you've ever no. been but their gluten-free Keste? pizza is like you you can't even okay. Keste yeah you really can't tell it's a gluten-free. lot of people in my family are celiac and I actually um had a stomach ulcer about two months ago which I never have had before and I was like super freaked out and I thought that I got tested for celiac disease again which I don't have but I'm more mm-hmm. aware of what I'm putting in actually the Kali power pizza crust it's I've tried so that too. Good. Very good. Yeah. So there's a lot of good gluten-free yeah. pizza options, but then there are some where I'm always so disappointed. At, like there's a place from our my hometown in Princeton, New Jersey, um, and it's the best pizza ever, Conti's. And I got a gluten-free one and I'm like, oh my God, they have gluten-free. This is amazing. And it was cardboard. And at that point, I'm like, this isn't even enjoyable as a food group. It's, it's nothing, it's no comparison to pizza, but it's not even edible. So a good gluten-free pizza. I feel that way with pasta too, because since I have a lot of people that are celiac in my family, we ordered the gluten-free penny alla vodka from our favorite Italian restaurant in my hometown in, in, Mm -hmm. um, in Locust Valley. And it was so gross. I'm like, why would we ever get this? Like, this doesn't even make. It's so disappointing. I know, and there's such good gluten free food that there really shouldn't be this shitty, uh, like options out there. I find the ones that are made Um, with like potato and rice aren't as good. The ones made from more like, um, like cauliflower lentils are just tastier in general. Mm-hmm. I do love the brown rice um, quinoa fusilli from Trader Joe's. Ooh, it's such an easy one. gluten-free pasta. It's a good one. Um, but thank you so much for being on here. This was so fun getting to Thanks chat with for you. Me. I, of course, I really love what you're putting out there. I'm so excited to see you grow. I mean, you've like doubled in following or more since we first time we met. So congratulations on that. And everything will be in the show notes. But the best place for people to find you is on Instagram at honestly Kate, correct? Correct. Okay, perfect. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I think I'm frozen, but I'm not sure. But this was so awesome. No, you're not. Okay, it was such a great time and I'm so looking forward to the podcast coming out. Yay. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there. 
at Freckled Foodie.